I'm going to be reading out of uh, Matthew. This morning we uh, went through uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, so I may mention some of that, but I'm going to be reading from, uh, from Matthew 1. So if you would like to turn to Matthew, if you have your Bibles handy. Starting with verse 18. I was telling everyone this morning that uh, if you want to read the whole Christmas story at a family event, around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, you want to read all of the Christmas story, you would want to start with Luke 1, 26 through 38. And then you would go over to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And then you would go back to Luke chapter 2, and you would read all the way uh, to verse 20. And then you would flip back over to Matthew and go to chapter 2 and read at least the first 12 verses. And that would put together the whole Christmas story. And I recommend that you do that every year at Christmas time. And since we did uh, Luke chapter 2, and I was asked by a couple different people, are you preaching a really long time? I'll try to keep it short. All right. 18 of Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, or privately. So that would be a kind of a sneaky way of doing something when you see that word in the Bible. Uh, people ask, well, why can't, uh, instead of that old word, why can't the Bible just say privately? Well, it does. It uses both words. And you, when you see it this way, it's kind of a sneaky way. Because Joseph, he, he was shocked that this would happen with Mary. I mentioned this this morning. But he didn't want to see any, any harm come to her. He could have per- turned her over to the authorities, and she may have been stoned to death. He wanted to protect her, so he was just going to put her away and just kind of let it go. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, 
we know the story of them going to Bethlehem, and it was a bunch of worldly things going on. There was a worldly ruler over them, Herod. There was a worldly empire controlling them, but all these prophecies in the Bible had everything uh, drawn up, but how, if they're under worldly power, how are they going to make it happen? Well, God is powerful. God doesn't need help. When He says it's going to happen a certain way, it happens that way. He uses the ungodly to accomplish what the Scriptures say. And it's exactly what happened. Just so happened that they made a decree. Just so happened that they had to make that trip to Bethlehem. You know, that place in Bethlehem, that, that was a place where for temple purposes, they raised a special breed of lamb many, many years before Jesus was born there. They bred that special breed of, of a lamb to be used for temple sacrifices. For they were to be spotless, without blemish, pure little lambs, and they would be taken to the temple, innocent, to die for the person or the family that brought it there. I'm going to read something that uh, Adrian Rogers wrote, and then I'm going to finish up with the uh, visit of the Magi. This is called Mary's Little Lamb. You know, there was a nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow. You know, that's, that is uh, that's a, a nursery rhyme about Jesus, is what it is. And she wasn't allowed to take that little lamb to school. You know, it followed her everywhere she went. Its fleece was white as snow, the sinless, a picture of a sinless Jesus, Be going everywhere that a child of God would go. Mary had a little lamb. Listen to this. Hundreds of years before, God had promised the coming of this lamb, capital L, lamb. But you, Bethlehem, Ephpathra, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel, Micah 2. How fitting that Mary's lamb would be born in Bethlehem. Because I told you about all those little lambs that were uh, bred there many years before. And Jesus, our Savior, was born in that very same little town. I want you to understand clearly the prophecy of the lamb. In Exodus 12, 1-6, we see the Jews in slavery in Egypt. God had a plan to redeem His people and to set them free, and His plan was wrapped up in a little lamb. God instructed each Hebrew family to slay a lamb and to paint its blood on the lintel and the doorpost of their homes. The angel of death would strike down the firstborn of all of Egypt. But if he saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the people the people of that household would be saved. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. 
Jesus became that special Passover lamb for all time. Notice the history of the lamb. Not only did the Old Testament lamb foreshadow Jesus, but in the New Testament, John the Baptist knew that the babe who was born in Bethlehem was a lamb. He saw Jesus walking toward the Jordan one day and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus was the infinite who became an infant, born of a virgin so we could be born again, the sinless sacrifice who would make blood atonement for the world. Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us, a spotless lamb crucified to pay the debt that we owe. Look at the victory of the lamb. In Revelation 5, the apostle John is caught up into heaven. He gets a glimpse of glory. He sees the throne of God and the lamb. Now this lamb would be a little lamb, a baby lamb. The word that is used in Revelation. John sees a lamb looking as though it had been slain. One who still bore the marks of the nails. John sees a lamb that was standing. Though he laid down in death in a grave, the grave could not hold him. And now the lamb stands. It speaks of the resurrection of the lamb. And John sees a strong lamb with horns that speak of power and full of eyes that speak of omnificence, all-knowing. John sees the lamb take a book that is the title deed to the earth and the heavens and the netherworld. It represents the right to rule. He is the only one who can open the book. If you asked him by what right he takes that book, he would say, I have the right of creation, I made it all, and then I have the right of Calvary, I died, I shed my blood for it, and I have the right of conquest, I was raised from the dead, I have the right to take this book and to open it, for I am the great I am, and I am, was, born a lamb. Lastly, see the, majest the majesty of the lamb. When the Lamb takes the book, all, the heaven, all, all heaven bows before Him. All heaven's inhabitants sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Jesus is that lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, this morning I talked about how the shepherds were not very educated people. And the angels came down and talked to the shepherds, and the shepherd went right to where Jesus was. The unlearned, the common people, went right to Jesus. But these wise men... Way, they were from way out. They were brilliant. They studied ast astrology. They knew all those things, and they, they depended on a star, and they followed that star. And 
to their worldly minds, they thought a king born must be in Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem, and they met up with this evil king, Herod. Now, when they showed up there, as wise as they were, they were, they were off a little bit. They were off. But they, they, they had a question to ask. Here's uh, verse 2. So these wise men, they, they, from the east, they show up in Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? I'm pretty sure that's the first question that is asked in the New Testament. I think that's the very first question asked. You can look and, uh, and let me know if that's wrong. But the first question asked, For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. If you look in the Old Testament, you start reading in Genesis and you start reading it along, everything is just so wonderful. And then Eve is beguiled by the serpent. And remember when I talked this morning about the Christmas story starts in Genesis 3? The seed of the woman? That would mean she would have to be virgin-born, or, or uh, Jesus would have to be virgin-born. But that prophecy was in Genesis 3. Satan hates women. He hates little children, hates babies. And so they fall. And then they run off in shame because they had sinned. They had disobeyed God. And they tried to cover themselves. And God shows up. And the first question in the Bible, or at least the first question that God asked, Adam, where are you? We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We're not worthy of heaven. We deserve to, to die a terrible death and go to hell forever. And God is asking, where are you? Are you hiding? That first question that God asked in the Bible, where are you? Well, it all depends on the first question that was asked in the New Testament. Where is he that is born of the Jews? Is he in your heart right now? Is he in your heart? Because if he is not, where you are is in a very bad place. But if you will call out to the king of the Jews... This Jesus, this Lamb of God, call out for Him because He's the only one who can save you. You can do all the trying. All, you can even do some Bible reading. You can go to church. You can do all the things that are religious and never find Him. But if you put all your trust in Him and Him alone, stop trying to be saved. Stop trying to get things figured out. And just look at him and say, Jesus, I want to know where you are. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of, will you answer? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Ask him to come in. You know, he won't force you. He's done everything for you. He's waiting for you to lay aside every possible work that you think you've got to do to make things right with him. Now, I hear people say, well, I'll, I'll make things right with him. You'll never make things right with Jesus. He's already made everything right. You just got to accept it. Accept it as a free gift. 
I hear people say, ah, well, I'll, I'll make peace with Jesus one day. You'll never make peace with Jesus. He is that peace that came down to earth. And he's the only peace. He is the true peace. And you just have to accept it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful Christmas story. Father, I pray that we will never get to a point where we think we don't need it, that we don't want to share it, that we don't want to read it. But Father, that we would understand that you have come looking for us. You've asked, where are you? Father, I pray that we see Jesus. Father, I pray that we see him being born as a perfect lamb, spotless, that took on all of our sins on himself when he didn't have to, and died that one for, once and for all ultimate sacrifice, died in our place. Father, I just pray that we see Jesus on that cross, dying and bleeding for us, and Father, that we would look at it. Look and be saved. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for all these people who have come together to hear your word and to hear your praises and glory. Father, we just are thankful for all that you've done for us. And Father, we want to be good servants for you. And Father, because of what we have seen and heard, we want to be like the shepherds. We want to go out into all places and shout for joy and tell everybody we know about this wonderful story. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.